This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. And a good morning, everybody. How are you? Fiore and Sangamon oh, Road, three feet behind GB Oil. Wow. Come to Skyrocket for our $1.99 eggless man. Denver omelette. It's all you can eat. We like to call it the Sammy Special. The, the Skyrocket, Sky just three feet behind GB Oil at Peoria and Sangamon Road. All of your old world favorites, plus the Sammy Special. Be sure to come by for Friday Night Fights. The, the Skyrocket. Sky What'd you say, Alice? What What do I say? What'd you say, Alice? <laughs> That's my favorite saying. Say yeah. it again. What's Pop always saying? What'd what you, you say, Alice? <laughs> What'd you say, Alice? That's my favorite saying. How come Pop always says that, Shay? Because you can't hear. I can't. And a good morning to you. How are you? Nice to have you with us. Ten past the hour. 35 degrees. Uh, Mardi Gras start today in New Orleans? I think they're saying Mardi Gras, Mardi because yeah, they go about a week before. Ash Wednesday is uh, Bill McCarty, I think a week from Wednesday, and Mardi Gras starts a week early there. It, it's Valentine's Day, isn't it? Is it's that what? Ash Wednesday? Is that Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day? Yes, it is this year, right? Absolutely. Week from Wednesday. Good call. Are you a... A remember person on Valentine's Day? Is that fairly significant for you? Oh, well, it's significant in that um, for a long time I resisted it, thinking it was a made-up Hallmark holiday. But uh, my wife, she she thinks she should at least get a card on Valentine's Day. So you do so that? I, I do. I do a card now. Yeah. But it just... Sam, it just wasn't worth the grief. <laughs> I tell her every day is Valentine's Day, in which yeah, case yeah, she that, just that, looks yeah. at me, rolls her eyes, and goes to the next room. I think after these many years for me, if I started buying candy and Valentine's Day, she'd say, what are you up to? Yeah, yeah, right. What did you do? What did you do? Not what are you up to? What did you do? Absolutely. Well, she hey, doesn't nice need candy, so. Yeah, that's, that's good. Nah, yeah, that's, that's right. Wouldn't somebody say that? St. <laughs> Valentine's Day. St. Valentine's is the patron saint of assorted chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. think there's some truth to that. Uh, good morning to you. It's normally the yard sale, but we're going to talk a little more uh, about, at least for the first half hour. Uh, I saw Bill McCarty at a visitation for Dick Robinson. We were both that. A good friend of mine from Lincoln originally. And of course, uh, Eric is a very good friend of ours. And uh, and his wife, Kim, and so on. So we went to the visitation hall, Bill, in the parking lot. We start talking and uh, talked about the city budget. And I know that as a former city budget director, he pays close attention to it. And uh, he is a citizen of Springfield. And he should pay close attention to it. So I said, how about coming in and talking about it someday? Your take on what's going on. And he said, I'll be glad to. He said, let me know. I'll be honest. I'll wait till Bobby Darren finishes up here. <laughs> And he said, let me think about it, Sam. He says, I think if I come in, he says, people are, a lot of people are going to interpret it wrong and so on. I said, well, I said, we can't change that. But I said, you're very knowledgeable. You were involved in the budget process as budget director for the city. What was the first year? Did you start with? Mayor Houston, 2011. 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had a number of years. Um, 12. 12 years. Left just as past? Left in May. Yep. Did you make that decision to leave on your own or were you asked to step down i made that decision on my own after the you gotta understand i did that job 50 percent longer than any other budget director has ever done that job really 12 years yeah eight was the the previous 
and some only did it one term. It it's a very difficult job, and I was going to. Uh, I've not really talked about this, but I don't believe that I would have stayed an entire term had Marilyn Felder won again. Um, I was at the point where the job, the kids are now teenagers. The job is very demanding, um, stressful. I have, uh, you know, every Tuesday night for 12 years was tied up. So I'm, I'm not saying I would have left. I'm, I, I was thinking about it, though, I'll be honest with you. So after the election happened, the day after, I gathered my staff up and I said, okay, folks, I said, I I'm, I'm just want you to know, hear it from me, uh, I'm going to move on. I'm going to go back to the state. I've always thought about it. Uh, I always planned on it at some point, finishing my career at the state, and, and I, it's time. I'd been through one transition already. Uh, I, I just didn't want to try and do another one, and it was time for me to move on. So I made that decision. I started putting feelers out, and eventually, um, it, it happened pretty quick, actually. I got a call, or it actually was an email from chief of staff at CMS, and uh, I didn't know him. He didn't know me, but he got my resume. It had been floating around. And he said, this is, this is, uh, we're, we've got a new director. We're building a new team, and we think you might be a good fit based on your, your resume. Remember, I came from CMS. Absolutely. So uh, we, we set up a couple of a phone call the next week. Uh, that went well. He said, hey, I'm going to tell the director about you. Can she call you? I said, sure. Well, she called me the next day. We had a nice phone conversation. She said, can you come in and meet me the next day? I'm down for session. So I went in the next day, and it was like a three-day process. And then she called me, and she's like, she said, uh, I, want you to, I want you to come be my chief operating officer here at CMS. I want you to be on the team, the executive right. team. So uh, I got that news on May 5th, which was Inauguration Day, mm-hmm. the day I resigned, and also, coincidentally, my birthday. Good for you. So uh, it, all, it all worked out very well. I'm very happy. I love my job. Uh, I get to do things that I didn't get to do before. I'm in operations more than fiscal, which I've always wanted to do. So I, I really have no complaints. I'm very, very happy. And to that end, because I spent 12 years, it's there's a new administration. There are new councilmen. There are new players involved. They don't need me watching everything they do. And I haven't been. I haven't watched a single city council meeting. I haven't gone to a city single city council meeting. I've enjoyed having my Tuesday nights back. Uh, and it's been great. And they're just... The reason that I'm here today is because when the budget was released, I'll admit I was a little bit curious. Mm-hmm. And remember, the budget director now is somebody I hired 10 years ago, sure. or 11 years ago, to be the city comptroller. Uh, I, I know Ramona very, very well. So I thought, well, a little bit. Well, then I started getting some texts like, hey, have you seen the, have you seen the budget that was released? The, you know, they always do your preliminary sort of media release kind sure. of thing. And I said, no, I hadn't seen it. They said, well, you need to see it. So I looked at it and I said, oh, this is kind of interesting. So I did end up going to, in person, the first budget hearing, okay, which is always the kickoff and the overview. And I went for one particular reason, the corporate fund. Sam, you and I have had, I don't know how many times you and I have talked over 12 years about the corporate fund. And as it goes, so the city goes. It's the general fund that pays for police, it pays for fire, and mayor's office, and public works and all that. It has to be healthy. And I don't know, I mean, we... When I started in 2011, it was eight million, eight point six million dollars I mean, in, the, it was in nothing, the corporate fund. In the corporate fund, okay. In the reserves, this is the. It's called the fund balance technically, but everybody calls it the reserves. Okay. okay, that's your health. So if if I can impart one piece of knowledge to your listeners that care about the city budget, the one number, the one and only one you really have to pay attention now to to know whether or not the city is healthy, is the corporate fund 
fund balance or reserves. And that is in black and white in accounting. If you go to the latest report that's online right now, page 133 and 134, you'll see last year, our final year there, Mary Langfelder and myself, which ended in February, the fund balance, remember, started $8.6 million, was $63.8 million, a record by far in the city of Springfield. So I feel good that we handed off the healthiest financial position the city has ever had to the next administration. Now, what they do with it, that's entirely up to them and the city council. But at least we know that we handed them this uh, golden egg, if you will, uh, to, to hopefully uh, be a good steward of. Walk me through the budget process leading up to this before we talk about this particular budget and some of the items in it. Uh, does everybody submit a request to you? Does it go to the mayor? What do you do with that request? And uh, walk me sure. through. Sure, happy to do that. Well, for us, and I don't know if this sure. administration does it differently, but for us, for 12 years, under two mayors, we started the process in October. That's when I would gather up all the directors and their fiscal people, and I would give them direction on how to do, what to do, when to do in terms of budget submissions. We would get those things submitted in November to my office, and my office and my staff and myself, we would go through them, do a preliminary review, reach out to the departments, ask questions, basically tell them some things are non-starters, it's not going to happen. And then we had meetings with the mayor in the month of December department by department and went through their budget and their budget requests. That's when they would try to make their case. Now, Sam, without fail, there's always more submitted than you can pay for. Without fail. Happened 12 years with me, and, and it happened, I'm sure, every year before that and probably every year after that. There's always more requests than what you can pay for, than what you have revenue coming in. So we have to, and so after those meetings with the mayor, we would just cut. Now, some years... I would do it with staff and, and, and consult with the mayor. Some years the mayor would be heavily more heavily involved than, than other years. But the fact is it was a collaborative process so that what we put out at the end of December in that budget book was what we considered to be a balanced, sustainable budget that could pass. And in one year we actually did have the budget pass as introduced, which I guess has never happened, according to my budget manager who was there 30 years. And I don't remember if that was Houston or Langfeld. I think it was Houston one year. No amendments, which like I said, it's a pretty rarity because usually the council members have a lot of amendments. I know this last year, I heard Alderman Hanauer talking about amendments uh, when he was on with you last week. And uh, he said, yeah, a lot, of, you know, a lot of amendments in the budget and all that. Well, there's two things to remember with that. 90% of those amendments, maybe 95, came from the council members, not the administration. And secondly, that budget that he's talking about, only two months of it were overseen by Mayor Langfelder and his staff and his administration. The rest is the new mayor. And, and her administration. So, you know, you can do what you want. You can, I know when we inherited a budget with Mayor Houston back in 2011, it wasn't our budget. It was uh, then uh, Interim Mayor Frank Edwards' budget. Right. And, of course, we changed it. We tweaked it. We, we spent some things, didn't spend other things, you know, on all that. And, and certainly I would expect that this administration has done the same thing to be completely expected. So that's how that works. But then you get it, and then you have the budget hearings in January, Amendments come out in early February, again, mostly from the council members, and then uh, you pass it in February to be ready to go March 1st when the new fiscal year starts. Um, Let's look a little bit at this particular budget. What will be the reserve fund balance? Um, You you left, I'm just pointing this out, and this is because you brought up, you 
you folks when you left were $64 million. Basically, Basically, $64 million. With the new budget, and I think they're spending, and one of the things that people are going to say is, well, the Langfelder administration kicked a lot of projects down the road. They didn't want to fund a lot of things, for example, the sewer, water, whatever the case might be. But forgetting that, we'll talk about that in a moment. What will the fund balance be in this budget as proposed at the moment? Well, I will tell you that that depends because they're having a debate on whether they want to fund pensions at the 90% statutory state-required level, which is what we always did. That's what the state tells you you got to put in, or the 100% level, which is what used to be years ago before pension reform. Sure. Of course, the folks who are the beneficiaries would like the 100% level just as an extra level of security and safety, but the reality is you don't. You don't need it. You're never going to have everybody retired all at the same time. There's always going to be funds flowing in. And honestly, we talked about and had discussions about whether or not the state should even go lower to, say, 75 or 80 percent. You'd still have a sufficient cushion. So the reality is you don't have to fund it 100 percent. The purpose of the pension funds to make sure pensioners get their benefits. Right. And I'm one of them. I mean, and you're a pensioner. Absolutely. Okay. That's what we care about. 90% ensures that that's going to happen. It's more than enough cushion. So if I was making a recommendation, I would say fund it at 90% because you need the extra 3 or $4 million for other things that are obviously priorities of this administration. But, again, it's not my call. But if they do it at the 90%, they're talking about taking the fund balance down to about $30 million from $63 million this year that's coming up. And those are not your figures. Those are that's a uh, that's been released on sheets of paper. This is I printed this off from the budget overview that the budget director gave the first night, the one that I went to. And this was this is the one document in all of the presentation that I wanted to see, because, again, when it comes right down to it, it's only one number that really matters. If it's fund balance or reserves are going up or steady, you're in good shape. If they're over 16 percent of your budget, you're in good shape. But if they're going down. So what I was curious about is what is the fund balance going to do this year, the year after, and the year after? Was there going to be a three-year projection? And there is. And the reality is it's spending it down. It's $30 million this coming year, which is not bad. I'll be honest with you. The budget that we released, Sam, was spending some of that money down. Because $63 million, when you have that much money, you need to give it either give it back to the taxpayers. Right. This, is, this was our philosophy. You've got to give it back to the taxpayers, either through like a rebate, you know, or you've got to spend it on something they want. And the decision was made to put in these firehouses in areas of oh, okay. town that needed them. So sure. that's where a lot of that was going, was these firehouses, which are $23 million, give or take. So that is what we budget a lot of. And then we budget a lot of ARPA funds, which are the federal dollars we had to spend. You have to spend those by 2026 anyway. So that's where a lot of that was. So we were going to say, okay, it's more reasonable to have about a $30 million. Let's do these firehouses. Let's put this police equipment in, things like that. Uh, but you're still like 20 25%. Well, 16 is is what we call... The, the demarcation level where you want to be above 16%. Going below 16%, that's a red flag. Okay. So you go below 16, that's a red flag. So next year, 25, the budget is presented, not a big deal, down to 30 million because you're finishing the firehouses, you're buying some police equipment, I get all that. The key is are you using fund balance for one time stuff like firehouses or equipment, or are you using it for things that are going to continue year after year after year, like yes, mostly. Exactly new people, new personnel? Are you hiring a bunch of people? And that is what this budget does. It hires a bunch of people, finishes the firehouses and all that. But Sam, the real concern is looking out three years, 63 million, I told you this past year. Right. 
by FY27, and this is 25 coming up, so within three years, it goes down to, and this is their numbers, not mine, 63.8 million down to negative $5 million, mm. 4.7 million. That's at 90% funding. If they fund the pensions at 100%, it goes from positive 63.8 million down to negative 9.1 million. Okay. Is In there three a, years. Is there an accounting thing that sends that alarm at negative, or is that just consistent? I mean, where is the money? Do you know where that money is going? I mean, obviously it keeps going down. Right. Well, it, when, and that's the beauty of these sheets, and anybody can get them because they're online. It tells you what their revenue expectations are and what their expenses are. And you okay. can see by line, like personnel or contractual costs or you know telephones, whatever. All that's in here. So you can see the, the areas. The specific things that they've got in there, I mean, you can look at the headcount. We can see it, and, and they released it. They want to hire, I think, 15 to 20 more firefighters. Is and that a good officers. move, by the way, because we hear full-time firefighters is cheaper than paying the overtime? Uh, there is a good balance. What's difficult about that is we've had around 215 firefighters for a lot of years. Depending on who the chief was at the time, some years the, the, the overtime was under a million dollars. Lately, it's been up over $3 million. And we tried, I know we tried many times to get an explanation of what was going on with that. And, uh, and, and it always came back the same, well, you got people that are off, you got people that are um, uh, on military leave, whatever. The reality is the fire department is more tricky because in their contract they have a minimum manning clause, which means you have to have a minimum of, I think it's 51 or 52 firefighters on shift no matter what. So if somebody's off, you got to call somebody in and they're working time and a half overtime. Holidays, it's even more, you know, double time or whatever. So it's trickier with the fire department because you're required to have that. So, yeah, you're looking for that balance of how many full-time gets you to a sort of equilibrium mm -hmm. when it comes to overtime. Three million is too much. Um, the reality is, though, that, you know, from a fire department standpoint, that's why we did that study and <laughs> to look at some things that we could do. And we were just getting into that. I do think, and I'm not going to elaborate today, but I do think there are some things that could be done from a structure standpoint and, and bargaining process to uh, – to rein some of that in, but that's not my call. Well, no. one of the that's getting a lot of attention is the CWLP water increase. A and am I correct? I'm hearing 32% for this year and then another 32% increase for next year? That is what I was told. That's what I've heard as well. It, it, okay. When we say or hear people say, well, we're still going to have the cheapest water rates um, anywhere around. Is that probably still true? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to see. I'm sure Doug and, and is going to talk about that when you have him on on, on Monday. Uh, I will tell you that CWP water is cheap, and I will tell you that losing Chatham and all the water conservation efforts and technology that are out there really did hurt the water fund. Um, I can also tell you that this increase they're talking about, yes, it's for lead lines and things like that, which are state-mandated deal. That is, that is all true. Um, but there's also obviously an operational increase in, in, in here as well because the water fund was was having problems. It was in trouble. It was in trouble, and it was something we discussed, a plan to do something about or at least talk about, uh, it, but didn't get to it before, you know, before the transition into administration. So I will say that, yes, the water fund absolutely does, and the water fund did have CWLP at, at the time, currently does have 
the cheapest water rates, maybe first or second, certainly top three in the state. So we are uh, we are fortunate to have good water, and and we don't don't pay a lot for it. Are we still selling water to? Well, I know we do uh, Jerome because uh, Mayor Mike Lopez told me that. Do we still sell to Williamsville and Sherman, places yep. like that? Yep. Williamsville, Sherman, you know, Mayor Klapfelter is a good friend of mine. And uh, we, we've talked about water on numerous occasions, both when I was mayor up in Williamsville, you know, because Williamsville actually controls it for Sherman. Yeah. So right. he and I would have uh, healthy debates on, on why that why that was. But, but if, if, but if, if this passes a 32% increase, those people are going to see a higher increase than that. Yeah, well, and that all depends. I oh, okay. I haven't seen what the proposal is in terms of who gets what, because remember, those are separate contracts when you oh, do okay. those bulk water contracts. Right. If it's 32% for city of Springfield residents, that's different. And I don't know, based on what happened with Chatham and everything else, I'm not sure if they're going to increase it that much on those bulk contracts. Plus, if they're contracts, I'm not even sure they can open up and change them. So that's a question for Doug. Uh, I know he's coming in, so you you probably want to ask him that. It, I haven't seen the specifics of who's getting what. But but again, why does that thirty two percent appear? Nobody's paying. Whoop, that's me. ABC I'm sorry. News? Nobody's paying any attention, or they should be, to that number you talked about, the reserve number. And you think that is the key number that you always should yeah. look at when doing budgets, where right. that is at. And you said uh, the previous administration that you were part of left a $65 million, and now the new proposal has it down to 30 Okay, uh, but but one of the answers is going to be, again, the previous administration passed on a lot of things. And, and let's talk about, are we really? I, we hear this. But that's EP, not true, Sam. It's not true? No. Okay, a- explain. Well, first of all, let's keep things separate. You, CWLP is a separate enterprise fund right. with its own. that has okay. nothing to do with the reserves of the corporate fund. Understand. So... Water rates, yes, water fund, let's just put that aside because it does. You have lead service lines. They need an increase. Whether it needs to be that high, that's not for me to say or not say. Certainly there's lead lines. Certainly there's operations. But let's put water aside. Get back to the corporate fund. And that's the thing that really, that's your public works. That's your police. That's sure. your fire. That's what people recognize. That's what I always use as the barometer for city financial health. So, yes, it makes me nervous as a as a taxpayer and saddens me as the ex-budget director to see a proposal that, remember, it took 12 years and two mayors for us to build it up from under $10 million, $8 million, and the year before that it was only $2 million. It took 12 years to build it up to $63 million, and to see a proposal that wipes it all out in three years or less, it saddens me, like I said, as a budget director and certainly concerns me as a resident because I'm thinking to myself, this passes with all of these people. And that's where the key is, okay? That's why I tell you that's not correct. We had firehouses going. We had equipment that we were buying. Hell, we just bought. And I don't know if I can say that, but we just bought seven fire trucks. Uh, the, Langfelder, the, the Langfelder administration bought seven fire trucks. You know how many millions of dollars uh, that, that was? Okay, right. Out of Yeah, I mean, between borrowing and ARPA and corporate fund, firehouses, 23, that, that $23 million worth of firehouses, we, we weren't kicking projects down the road we bought all this police equipment body cameras and uh the the shooting system that's around town shot spotter i think is what it is right all those things were implemented by the langfelder administration we were spending money and we but we were doing it wisely we were trying to be responsible with it what we weren't doing and this is the clear distinction and it's in black and white from my standpoint I get the desire to want to hire more people for public works and police and fire. I get it. The 
question I have if I'm an alderman sitting around that horseshoe is how are we going to pay for it? Because clearly, based on the information provided by the administration, we can't pay for it. It's right here in black and white. These are not my numbers. These are their numbers. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember or not, I was there. I heard the question. I heard the answer. The question from Alderman Williams, I think it was, directly to the budget director. Is this a sustainable budget? Her answer was no. So even they admit this isn't going to work. Now, what I'm thinking might happen, again, I told you my philosophy, our philosophy with both Langfelder and Houston, we did not put forth a budget that we didn't feel was balanced or sustainable. Okay, this one's not, but perhaps, and again, it's just a philosophy, perhaps it was, okay, we're going to do it differently. We're going to put this out there, and we're going to do this collaborative effort with the aldermen, and we're going to engage them, and, and they can, together, we can trim this thing down and, and prioritize what we're going to do and all that so that the finished project, product is a balanced, sustainable budget. That might be what's coming. So I'm not here to cast aspersions at all. Trust me. Like I told you, know, I was reluctant to even you come are, on. Are, you I was are. very reluctant to come on. It took me a day to get back to you to, to finally say that I would do it. I'm just here pointing out what's in black and white. And right now, what was introduced, just it, it's not going to work. For it to work, there has to be a tax increase. And Sam, when I look at, you know, we talk about negative $9 million. If you look out two years on this 100% pension funding thing, expenses exceed revenues in the corporate fund by $18.4 million, more expenses. How, that's not sustainable. You're spending more than you're taking in by a mile. Do you know what that equates to? If they did a tax increase to cover that shortfall, a 50%, more than a 50% increase in your property tax. The city portion the of The city it. portion. The city, right. let me be clear, we're not talking about schools right, or anything right, else. Right. City is about 12% of your tax bill. That'd be a 50% property tax increase to cover that shortfall in just two years. That's what makes me nervous as a taxpayer. 35 minutes past. I'm going to ask uh, Bill McCarty to stay around for a couple more questions. It is a. M. Springfield Monday through Friday. This is the Saturday version. This sounds like A.M. Springfield more than it is a yard sale. Stay with us. <laughs> it is yard sale, but a version of A.M. Springfield. Former budget director Bill McCarty breaking it down for us as he sees it. He's no longer involved, of course, as you know, but he was the budget director for 12 years here in Springfield from 11 to 23. Um, and he breaks it down in simplistic form where I think a lot of us, you may not necessarily agree with what he's saying, and we will have Doug Brown in on Monday, and the mayor's coming in on Tuesday, and they will probably have answers. I, I okay, let me go back to the water fund for a moment okay. because that that thirty two percent appears to be getting all the attention, at least with the consumer. Uh, and they're not worried about how high. They're, am I again? I think thirty two percent one year. But but anyway, that's having said that. Somebody asked me said. Well, why it's going to be all due to repair of sewers and things like that, and the EPA says you got to replace water lines and whatever, why can't they bond that? Well, they could, and they might be doing that, Sam. I'm sure Doug can answer that question. But if they bond it, they don't have the money to pay the proceed, the, the loan, if they do it. You still have to have money to make your payments, and they don't. The water fund is operationally uh, not in a good place. It hasn't been for a couple of years due to the things we talked about, losing Chatham and people using less water doing, due to conservation efforts and technology. So the water fund itself needs an operation boost to go with money to pay for the lead lines. So whether they're paying as you go from lead lines from this increase or bonding it, they still have to do an increase in order to pay for it 
pay for the loans. But it's not just the bad lines. I mean, there's going to be an operational increase in here because the water fund has been hurting for years. So that's all going to be bundled together. And I'm sure Doug can can lay that out when you talk to him, what's for operations, what's for actual projects like the lead lines when he comes in. But there, there has to be an increase, whether it has to be that much or not. That's not for me to say, but I will say and agree that the water fund needs some type of an increase. I just, I don't know if it's 64% or not, but but that's what they're going to do. The sustainability still concerns me. Alderman Williams asked that. I heard him ask that, and I heard the answer. How big a red flag is that when the director of the budget the person you worked with or worked with you, and she's now the director of the budget, when he says, is this budget sustainable? And she says, no. What in essence, well, I guess I could ask her, what is she saying? What did she mean by no? Does that mean we're not taking in enough money to pay for the budget? Exactly. That's exactly you hit the nail on the head. And it's right here in black and white in, in their own uh, documentation that I've got in front of me that I showed you. Uh, there is less revenue than expenses. That's not sustainable because you have to pass. We're not the federal government. You can't keep borrowing and borrowing. You have to have a balanced budget in the state of Illinois. Now, your revenues don't necessarily have to match your expenses if you have healthy reserves or fund balance because mm-hmm. that's a resource. But eventually that runs out. If you're going negative, what did I say? In year three, it's negative $18 million. Mm-hmm. You, you run out of fund balance. You have no more resources. So your options at that point, are you either increase taxes, and in this case, it'd have to be quite a bit if it passes as it is, and I'm assuming it won't, but you would have to either increase taxes, which concerns me and you and others that are listening in the city of Springfield because it's your property or your sales or something else, and we already have sales tax for what, up to 10%, I think, at this point, or close to it, or you've got to make massive cuts, and I think that's less likely because this budget calls for hiring a bunch of people. If you look at it, I brought the headcount chart again. Their information, not mine, but our last budget, we authorized headcount of uh, total citywide 1,414, 1,414. This budget is up to about 1,470. So you're talking about hiring another, what, uh, 56 or so individuals? 80% of the corporate fund is people. And like I said earlier, our philosophy on fund balance, and this is not just ours, this is the Government Finance Officers Association, National Government Finance, the largest one in the, in, the, in the country. They say, and we agree, you use reserves and fund balance for one-time projects. Okay, we had a healthy fund balance. We knew we needed to do something with it uh, because you just can't, you, you shouldn't, in our mind, keep that much of taxpayers' money just sitting in the bank. You've got to do something with it. So we opted to buy equipment and firehouses. One-time stuff. Um, This budget appears to use reserves for things that are ongoing, uh, namely the hiring of individuals. And that is not something that's generally recommended. Certainly it wasn't something that we did. But again, that's our philosophy, new administration, new philosophy. But what she said is 100% correct, and you're 100% correct. It means that the revenues are less than your expenses, and that disparity keeps growing. I will tell you, our base budget when we left, throw everything out we were doing, no ARPA, no anything, just status quo, was about $145 million in the corporate fund. And I think this budget's $210 million. Uh, again, finishing the firehouses are in there, another 5 or $6 million worth of equipment, so that's 20-some million. So that brings you down under $200 million, 190-ish, give or take. Um, you know, and then the other is, is headcount and some other things that I'm not quite sure what they are. So, yeah, I, it, 
that that's why I think and I'm optimistic that something is going to change because you could say, ah, we're going to be okay this year. Yeah, you will. But what about next year? And certainly the year after that when you don't have a balanced budget and you're $18 million out of balance, especially if you do the, the 100% funding for pensions, which, again, you don't need to do. But uh, certainly that's Did you an guys do 90 or 100? We did 90. We did, did 90. Statu- okay. We always did the statutory right. requirement. And there was an always an argument. You know, <laughs> Alderman McMinnum and I would always have spirited debates, discussions, I will say, uh, about funding and all that. And I will, but I will tell you, go back and look at the track record of both Mayor Houston and Mayor Langfelder. We put more additional pension payments into the police and fire pension funds than anybody had ever had before. So we paid that statutory requirement and then threw in millions of dollars more on top of that. And we did that over multiple years. So it wasn't like we weren't trying to do something. But the reality is, Sam, you've got to pay for, for the people that are out on the street. You got to pay for filling potholes and fixing sidewalks and keeping police officers out on the street on a daily basis. So you can't allocate all your money to paying for things that you don't necessarily have to, like additional pension payments at 100%. We just couldn't afford it. It was either cuts or increasing taxes. We didn't want to do either. So we allocated what we had. We allocated the resources that we had available to us. That's what we did. And that's the concern with this is. The resources do not meet what the expense demand will be under this budget. And again, not my numbers. These are the numbers of the current administration. Thanks for coming in. Time flies. I'd originally think in 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I knew that wasn't what you told happen. me. That's right. And here it is at 13 before the hour. Thanks, my friend, for coming Anytime, in. Anytime, Sam. Always you take good care. to see you. Uh, it is AM Springfield uh, during the week. This was a Saturday morning version. I kind of like this. Maybe we'll do this more often because we have a difficulty getting people in during the week. Uh, maybe Saturday morning will work for us. Stay with us. Tim and the Roop come in in a few minutes talking more sports at you. We've got high school basketball tonight from Roy S. Anderson Gymnasium. Lampier goes up to Lincoln to take on the Railers. Railers win again last night over Eisenhower. Speaking of Lincoln, those Lincoln girls, they went to uh, O'Fallon for a shootout, played the host team O'Fallon. O'Fallon lost two games. They're 4A, folks, over, uh, you know, well over 2,000 enrollment at O'Fallon High School. They were ranked, depending on what poll you looked at, 6th, 7th, or 8th in the state in 4A. Lincoln wins at 62-55 to at O'Fallon on their home court last night. Lincoln takes on Alden today. Uh, all of their Lincoln games are seen on uh, on the YouTube you just go on YouTube and Google Lincoln High School Basketball, and they, with their radio station, they take a camera and set it up, and they're able to do it. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. So uh, you can watch the Lincoln-Alton game today on uh, if you're interested, and that should be a good one. Alton's ranked number two or three, I think, in 4A. I think they're maybe undefeated on the year. Uh, and boys hoops last night, Pleasant Plains over Williamsville, 56-46. Athens. Uh, got by Maroa by a couple, 53-51. Glenwood in the Central State 8 over Southeast. Wow, 59-30. That Glenwood team's pretty good, folks. Uh, really, I think they're very good. I was really impressed with them when I saw them against SHG. Normal U-High over, over Lampier. Are you kidding me? I just glanced at this. I hadn't heard this. 74-45. to I'll bet Blake Turner wonders what he... Those guys look so good on one night, and then they mailed one in last night. MacArthur over Rochester, 66-48. to SHG has Jacksonville's number this year. Uh, they knocked off Jacksonville last night, 55-44. And Lincoln gets by Eisenhower, 55-31. And the Sangamo Riverton knocks off Porta, 57-30. And New Berlin wins over Olympia last night, 53-48. You're listening to... 
uh, yard sale on Saturday. Starry, starry night. Yard sale Saturday morning. We turned into a special version of AM Springfield. Remind you, we're on the road a couple days next week. Thursday, we're at the Tasty Cafe in Sherman. Free coffee. Come up and join us. And Friday, breakfast with BOS out on Wabash. That's unfortunately... Uh, not open to the public. That's what they do for us. And a live broadcast out there from uh, the beautiful room up there. It's newly remodeled and so on. And we'll be right there looking out the windows. Uh, so thanks to folks at BOS. Uh, we're out there once a month. Tasty Cafe in Sherman. Great food, great breakfast. And Thursday morning, they'll open the gates at about 7 o'clock. And they'll have free coffee and some other specials going on. It is... Uh, A.M. Springfield normally. Uh, full day of basketball today. Remind you that, uh, by the way, that, that Lincoln girls, that's that Chloe Froby, um, just went over 3,000 career points yesterday at O'Fallon. She's already signed to play out Colorado State, I believe. Anyway, Chloe Froby, over 3,000 points. She went over that threshold last night. They are really good, fun to watch. Uh, it'd be a good test for him today. Neil Alexander said, I'm going to toughen that schedule up. That's what the girls' coaches wanted, and he did, and Boy, they've met the challenges. They went into a hotbed last night at O'Fallon and ones. Boy, the upset to me, they'll look at that board. Maybe the guys will talk about it. Uh, U-High 74, Lanfear 45. I believe that was at U-High. And tonight, uh, the Lions, uh, they have their hands full. They're going to take on the Railers up in Lincoln. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.